0: morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship, great to have you. As always, take time to sign the attendance card or use the QR code in the announcements. Also, uh, Easter flowers, if you're interested in getting Easter flowers for our sanctuary, for our Easter celebration. There are forms around the building or you can do it online. Youth group tonight, 7 to 9 o'clock, and if you're going on the mission trip, your meeting starts at 4 and goes to 7. Also, uh, Chicks with Sticks are meeting on the 22nd. And Women's Bible Study, February 20th, uh, starting a new study on the danger of comparing ourselves to other people. And the Young Adult Group, on February 24th, they're doing a pizza throwdown. They're having a pizza contest, that sounds great. Also, don't forget we're in the season of Lent. We have worship on Wednesdays at one and seven, one in the chapel, seven in the sanctuary. We're doing the red letters of Jesus as our theme. Lunch is at noon and chicken crunch casserole and salad rolls and dessert. And then dinner is at six, vegetable lasagna alfredo rolls, matcha with Italian sausage, eggplant parmesan, salad, garlic bread and dessert. That sounds better than church. And we're excited to have a baptism little Reese this morning, so welcome to the whole family. We rise for opening him.)
1: We make our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated, we invite the baptismal party up. Our Lord commanded baptism, saying to his disciples in the last chapter of Matthew, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of age. The holy apostles of the Lord have written, The promise is for you and your children. And baptism now saves you. Receive the sign of the Holy Cross both on your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Hear how our Lord Jesus Christ has opened the kingdom of God to little children. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him bless them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And to the sponsors, it is your task as sponsors to confess with the whole church the faith in our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose name this child is to be baptized. After this child has been baptized, you are at all times to remember her in your prayers, put her in mind of her baptism, baptism, and as much as in lies you, give your counsel and aid, especially if she should lose her parents, that she be brought up in the true knowledge and worship of God, and be taught the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, and that as she grows in years, you place in her hands the Holy Scriptures, bring her to the services of God's house, and provide for her future instruction in the Christian faith abiding in her baptismal grace and in communion with the church, she may grow up to lead a godly life to praise and honor of Jesus Christ. Then this you intend so gladly and willing to do, if so, say yes.
0: Because this child cannot answer for herself, we shall all together with sponsors and uh, parents faithfully speak on her behalf in the testimony of the forgiveness of sins and the birth and life and faith which God our Father bestows in and through baptism. So I ask everyone present, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? If so, then say, I do renounce them. I do renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? If so, then say, Yes, I believe in God the Father. Yes,
1: Yes, I believe in God the Father.
0: Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son? If so, then say, Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ.
1: Yes. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ.
0: Do you believe in the Holy Spirit who calls and sanctifies and makes the church holy? If so, then say, Yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit.
1: Yes, I
2: believe in the Holy
0: Spirit. Who brings this child to be baptized? How is this child named? Just hold her over. Reese, Joanne, word, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit? Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has given you new birth of water and the Spirit, and has forgiven you all your sins. Here's your baptismal napkin. Practice of the third century church to give the newly baptized a lit candle serve as a constant reminder that we're assured through baptism faith burns within Reese's heart. Please face the congregation. Through baptism, God has added Reese to his own people to declare the wonderful deeds of our Savior who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And on behalf of Redeemer, we welcome you to the Lord's family. We receive you as a fellow member of the body of Christ, the child of the same Heavenly Father, to work with us in his kingdom. And you, Reese, the Lord, bless you in all your ways from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. We welcome our...
1: I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, with which I have poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated.
0: Invite the children forward for the children's message. Good morning. morning. Oh, we got such a big group up here, we can do louder. Good Good morning. Great job. Everybody, have a friend? You have a friend? Yeah, yeah. Well, me too. You have an imaginary friend?
2: Well,
0: I used to, but we had an argument. <laughs> having friends are great. Many times our friends are people who share the same interests. They like playing the same games. We talk about the same things. It's wonderful having a friend. You know, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, there was a certain group of people they wouldn't call friends. They wouldn't let him into the temple. They were very mean to them. But you know what? Jesus always found himself with them. In fact, Jesus got the label, friend of sinners. I love that. He's our friend. And he went to the cross to die for our sins. He's a friend of sinners. And then rose again. So today, you're going to get a cool friendship bracelet, okay? And you'll be reminded about Jesus, your best friend. Lower level? Lower level. Lower level.
1: Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalms 119. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Your word, Lord, is eternal, it stands firm in the heavens. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Your statutes are wonderful. Therefore, I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Here ends our Old Testament reading. Our epistle reading is from Galatians 2, verses 11 through 21. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. And not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jewish by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to put on our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Put on the full armor of God. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Our Holy Gospel reading this morning is from John 18, verses 36 through 38. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. Here ends the reading of our holy gospel. Please be seated for the sermon hymn.
0: grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dr. Tim Kennedy told me a joke that I know I said years ago, but I forgot about it. He told me Wednesday, it really fits with the message today, so I'll, I'll tell it his variation is a little different. There's this man that gets stranded on a deserted island. He's all alone. He's there for years. He occupies himself with building certain huts, Really enjoys it. And one day, another ship was stranded on the island. And now, the man who had been there for years couldn't wait to show this new person who's stranded his little village he created. And so the man brings them, and the new stranded individual says, What's that hut? That's my house. Oh, okay. What's that hut? Well, that's the hospital. You can tell a doctor told us because they had to put that in there. That's a variation. It's not in the original, just telling you. That's the hospital. He said, what's what's that hut? He said, that's my church. There's one more hut. And he said, what's that hut? And with tears in his eyes, he said, I used to go to that church. (laughs) (laughs) It's unfortunate when church bodies struggle but so often it needs to happen. Tomorrow will mark a 50th anniversary of some dark days of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod that we're a part of. It had been boiling for years, maybe going back to the 1940s, even 1930s. Part of the reason this problem happened, we think is, you know, as we look back on it, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod was pretty much associated with German people, and they wanted to be more Americanized. And St. Louis Seminary wanted more prestigious professors. These professors were not necessarily that much from a Lutheran background. For years, they started teaching a way to interpret scripture. It's called the historical critical theory. And it's how you look at scripture and they were training the pastors, future pastors, that scripture is not, not really the word of God. Some of it might be. And this historical critical method allowed you to uh, say, oh, the story of creation, it's, just a, it's a story. It really didn't happen that way. Or Noah's flood, that's just a fable. It never happened. And the churches, it's always the lady that saves the church, not the leadership. The congregations were saying, what kind of clergy are we producing that they don't believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God? Now you have this powder cake. And I think in retrospect, it wasn't handled well. Dr. Reverend Dr. John Teachin was the president of the seminary at this time, relatively new. And uh, just a couple months after he became president of the seminary, Reverend Dr. J. A. O. O. was made our synodical president. Preuss was going to do some theological house cleaning. At a convention, we have conventions every few years, he asked for a committee, fact-finding committee, to examine the seminary, their professors, and what they're teaching and what they believe. Ultimately, teaching was removed from his position in January. Also, it was getting out, obviously, that there's false doctrine being taught at the seminary. The students stopped attending classes. And the majority of professors stopped teaching. They shut down the school. The Board of Regents sent the professors a letter If you're not back in the classroom by February 18th, contract is dissolved and you're trespassing if you're on this property. It was February 19th. The students meet with 45. There's 50 professors, 45. They meet with the students outside and they decide to leave the seminary. 45 of 50 professors left. 274 out of 381 students left also. You can look on the front cover of the bulletin, the center photo uh, that's, if you ever a chance to see St. Louis Seminary, it's beautiful. This is Walter's Arch, it's called. They put boards up and wrote exiled. They would start their own seminary Concordia Lutheran Seminary in Exile, it would be known as Seminex. They put crosses in the Quad area with each of their names on, as they prated leaving the property, singing a mighty fortress is our God. As a result, when this all fell out, it is estimated the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, and this is conservative number, 200,000 people left. Over 200 congregations left the Missouri Senate. Eight district presidents were removed because they allowed the ordination of seminarians who graduated from Seminex. It was an awful time for our church body. You look at the little symbol of Seminex. It's cut-down tree with a new branch, new life growing. I was in fourth grade. It was an art project with a little round piece of wood and had a, you, know, you could put it around your neck. You could paint on it. It was art class. I painted that symbol. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how sometimes, whether they're good words or bad words, you never forget them. Fourth grade, my teacher comes up, says those students at Semenex won't amount to a hill of beans. She knew my brother was there. Why would you say that to a fourth grader who has no understanding of doctrine? It stuck with me. My brother walked. My second brother, Rick, after his undergraduate, attended Seminex. They both found homes in the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. I taught my daughters to call them Elka Ron and Elka Rick. (laughs) It was a sad day. I still remember 50 years ago tomorrow, my dad talking on the phone, he was not a big phone talker, talking to my brother about just what was happening. It's Very sad. You know, sometimes I don't think that problem was 30, 40 years old. That's why so many congregations left, because that's how we were training the pastors. Should have been dealt with immediately, or dealt with over a long period of time instead of destroying so many lives. Sometimes the church body just doesn't make good decisions. At our last uh, convention, synodical convention, it was brought up that Concordia University in Texas, we have a Concordia University system that is associated with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. They decided to leave. They don't wanna be associated with the Missouri Synod. So of course it came up at convention You know what the resolution stated? Calling the leadership at Concordia in Texas a resolution to repent. Could you find different words? Like a resolution for reconciliation. Doesn't that sound better? In our epistle lesson for today, Paul is nipping it in the butt. False doctrine. He gets right to it and he deals with it. When Cephas came to Antioch, who's Cephas? That's Peter. (laughs) Peter, one of the leaders in the church. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, now from James, it doesn't say James sent them. And they're probably trying to pretend that they have. The power of James. He used to eat with the Gentiles. You see, Jews before this wouldn't eat with Gentiles and make you unclean. It was against their laws. But Christ, you know, Christ changed everything. And now they're, they're having this fellowship. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Some translations say circumcision party, which doesn't sound much like a party to me. (laughs) These were Jews who believed in Christ, but they didn't want to let go of the law. They wanted to keep the law, and Peter is peer pressured. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew? Yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew? How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow, follow Jewish customs? Who are the Jews by birth? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. Paul's saying that because that's how they would view Gentiles before Christ know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul's saying, we're taking a step backwards. Peter, you're doing the wrong thing. Can you imagine if Paul didn't step in and clean this up? Could you imagine what would happen over the years? As Gentile Christians, we could be still following some of the law of Moses. you realize that? And Paul's saying, no, this cannot be. We think this occasion happened after the Jerusalem Council. Now, Jerusalem is the headquarters of the church, and obviously that's where the majority of Jewish Christians would be living. They got together uh, like a church meeting. When they came to Jerusalem, this is Paul and and Barnabas, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, so the Pharisees, some Pharisees were moved to believe in Jesus Christ. Stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider the question. After much discussion, Peter, listen to what Peter said. And we assume this happened before this event. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither, referring to the law, a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. You could see this was a tense moment for the early church. And the Jewish, some of the Jewish believers want to keep the law, the Torah, the things of Moses. And Paul, and here Peter says, no, we're free from that. And we shouldn't lay the burden on the Gentiles. Peer pressure. When we think of our kids, peer pressure. We adults, we go through peer pressure. The world's always telling us what to believe, what to think, what to say. And so often, we'll we'll go against things that we know, core values, in order to be accepted by somebody, to fit in. We do it all the time. And you know, the words of Pontius Pilate still echo out there. What is The world is lost. Paul, I think, had a chip on his shoulder. Remember, all the other apostles were disciples, followers of Jesus, and to be an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection. Well, Paul, after the ascension of Christ, is persecuting the church, trying to destroy this movement. All of a sudden, on the Damascus Road, Jesus talks to him. He sees Christ, the resurrected Christ. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul now would become the largest champion for the Christian movement. But he always felt as if he wasn't equal to the other apostles. You can pick it up in his writing. In Galatians 1.12, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is always fighting for his position. Listen to the the beginning of Galatians, the verses before what we heard. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, remember that, esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some fellow false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Listen to this verse. He's got a chip. As for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. Here, Paul is saving the church from what could destroy the movement. You know, it's important to be a Bible-believing church. The walkout 50 years ago tomorrow, yeah, it broke, affected many families. I, I think it could have been handled differently. There was a lot. The students were pawns in a political game. Doctrine is important. What we teach is important. I told the conference a couple weeks ago, you have to know your Bible. You have to know your Bible, and you've got to listen to what the pulpit is preaching. If it's not preaching God's word, you've got a problem. The priesthood has a problem. You have to check my words. We are a Bible-believing church. You know, in some Lutheran denominations, when someone's ordained, you know what they're asked? Do you believe the Bible contains the Word of God? Ooh, slippery slope. Sounds like historical critical method. When I was ordained, when Pastor Jimmy was ordained, the question is, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? that's what we believe. More than ever, as churches are just going off the course of what they've been called to do, we, Bible-believing, and I hate to say, I just wouldn't want to say Christians, but I guess you have to say Lutheran Church Missouri Synod members, will hold the Bible dearly and believe it to be inspired, are the ones to proclaim it. You know what Billy Graham said about the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? He had a great respect for our educational system and for our doctrines and how well thought out they are. He called us a sleeping giant. And I still believe we're sleeping, but we are a giant. For that word is the norm for everything we teach and practice and do. And you and I are called on to be proclaimers, defenders, and lovers of that word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise to sing the operatory.
1: We rise. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your holy gospel and revealing your love to us. In your boundless mercy, help us to hold on to this blessed light of your word and through your Holy Spirit, govern and guide our hearts so that we may never stray from it, but hold fast to it and finally be saved through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, we pray for those facing health concerns, Remy LaBelle, Tammy and Danny Bordeaux, a son of a friend of the congregation, Ruth Newman, Aunt Jean, the Ryan Jones family, Harold Lundy, Mike Dundas, Helga, Linda Christensen, John Wardlein, Evelyn Springstead, Myrna Orva, Beth Hamada, and Ron Ging. We pray for those in hospice care, Etta Unruh. We pray that you may watch over all the people in the Middle East during this time of war, for all those serving in the military, police, and firefighters, for all world leaders to be, to be receptive to godly counsel, for all those suffering from other health concerns and their caregivers. Prayers of thanksgiving this morning we welcome through baptism, Reese Joan Reardon, and for all those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, our sanctuary altar flowers placed by the Laramie family, and our lectern flowers, Placed by the Steginga family. All this we ask for you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom
2: his glory revealed, living in love. One day the
1: rise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. <music>